Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. The first chapter of the book of Proverbs is our passage today. Proverbs chapter 1, we're in a series, The Way of Wisdom. Here's the key concept for this morning. True wisdom comes from on high. True wisdom comes from on high. Proverbs chapter 1. And as you find Proverbs chapter 1 in your Bibles, I'd like to conduct an experiment. Last week, we mentioned that Proverbs, the actual sayings of the Proverbs, are like wisdom nuggets short, memorable sayings that convey to us wise teachings about life. And it was a very ancient way of expressing these teachings, but it's still with us. We still have proverbs in our, in our culture, little sayings that when we pay attention to those sayings, we, are, we consider ourselves to be wise. So I want to test you to see if you know these modern-day proverbs. Now, this is the congregational participation portion of our morning, so you can feel free to speak right out. But you complete the, the end of the proverb that I start, okay? Let's see how this goes. Two wrongs don't make a... Very good. The pen is mightier than the... When in Rome, do as the... Very good. The squeaky wheel gets the... Some of you said oil, some of you said grease, it's slippery stuff, it all works, very good. When the going gets tough, the tough get? People who live in glass houses should not throw? Very good, all right. Everybody passes here today. Proverbs are alive and well. And as we go to the first chapter of the book of Proverbs, the first six verses are the title and the purpose statement of the entire book of Proverbs. And it starts in verse 1 mentioning, by mentioning Solomon. It says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now, in 1 Kings 4, we read that Solomon actually wrote 3,000 Proverbs and over 1,005 songs. So, obviously, we have just a portion of his work here. And as we noted last week, not all of the Proverbs that are in the book of Proverbs are actually written by Solomon. The first section is written by Solomon, but then we'll encounter a a section as you read through the book, you'll encounter a section that's titled, The Sayings of the Wise. Evidently, some other wise people also uh, contributed towards the book. Later on in the book, there's an author named Agur and another one, an author called King Lemuel both of whom we know really nothing about. 
And even the Proverbs that are written by Solomon, and obviously from his hand, they are compiled in three different sections of the book that were brought together at different points of history in ancient Israel. When you take it all together, in the book of Proverbs, you have a book that actually was in process being compiled for over 250 years. But over the course of that time, the Holy Spirit was superintending that process, directing that, knowing that one day this book would be part of the Word of God. And when we come to the sayings of the Proverbs, what we see usually are short, memorable statements, some a little longer, but usually short, memorable statements that describe what is true about life. They are not absolute standards. They are not prophecies. But they are sayings that it is wise to, that they are wise to know because they're generally true about life. So, for instance, Proverbs 15, verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, that is generally true. However, you might know some hotheads that once they get angry, no matter how gentle you are, they don't settle down right away. You know, that's, it's generally true. Or about this one, Proverbs 27, 14, if a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. That is generally true. If you call me up 3 a.m. and you say, hey, Pastor Mark, like that sermon on Sunday. No, you're not blessing me if you do that, right? Or this one, Proverbs 22, 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. That's generally true. But you can probably think of families where they have prayed and they have done godly work and they have caring parents trying to raise their children in the way of the Lord and only to find that the child eventually rebels against the things of God. Because this is a proverb. It's not a prophecy. And even though we want to work to train our children in the right way and we must strive to do so, ultimately, they have a choice. They must choose rightly. This is the nature of the book of Proverbs. And the purpose of the book of Proverbs is given to us in verses 2 through 4. Follow along as I read. It says this, For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is described in those action words that follow the words for. So it's for attaining, for understanding, for acquiring, and for giving. Attaining wisdom, understanding insight, acquiring discipline, and giving prudence. Now these things sound similar and they're parallel statements, but in, a, in effect, they, they, each of them has just a little different shade to their meaning. And when you boil it all down, the Proverbs are for the development of moral skill and intellectual discernment. First, we are to attain wisdom and discipline. The Proverbs have to do with morality and a disciplined life telling the difference between right and wrong. Wisdom in the Hebrew mindset will bring you into submission to the mind and the will of God. Ultimately, God is all-wise, and thus it is wisdom to rest in Him. 
So if we know God and follow His advice, we will be able to live a wise life. Verse 2 also adds the word discipline. It could be translated instruction. In fact, it may be that in the version you're looking at. Because that word was often used to describe the way a parent would educate their child, giving them instruction and showing them the right way, but rebuking them when they choose the wrong way as well. It's kind of a parental uh, uh, maturing guidance kind of thing. The point is when you have these two qualities, wisdom and discipline, will be able to separate out what's important in life and show what is correct versus what is useless and in error. The second result word is understanding, understanding insightful words. Spending time in the Proverbs, it says, says, allows us to be able to understand words of insight, the words of insight that are right here in the Proverbs and words of insight that may come from other sources of insight. The point is the wise are able to receive insight from outside themselves. All of the wisdom is not contained within us. We are able to get that which is out there to help us because of our time in the Proverbs. Also, another result word is acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, verse 3. Actually, even though the NIV translates the word into discipline in verse 3, just like it says discipline in verse 2, it's two different words in Hebrew there. It's interesting. The, 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 the second word after the, in verse 3, the word after acquiring, actually is often used to describe the gaining of an artistic skill in Hebrew. It's kind of like an art form. Living a wise life is a, a skill. I'm going to teach you through the Proverbs. He's saying the skill of living wisely, and you can develop that art form. And when you do, what you do is you do what is right and just and fair. And all of a sudden, a new layer comes into why this is written. It's not just about us as individuals attaining wisdom. It's about the way we relate to others as well. Fair, injustice. That's why last week when we started the series, we started with the idea of we're called to lift up those who can't speak for themselves. That is fair and just. No one is an island unto themselves. Gaining wisdom through the Proverbs will help you live in relationship with your family, help you live in relationship with your co-workers and your friends, your circle of relationships. And lastly, in verse 4, the last purpose statement for giving prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the young. Prudence means good sense. The Proverbs give good sense to those who might be easily swayed by bad advice, the simple and the young, giving that good sense so that they can resist making the kind of bad choices that scar lives for a lifetime. This is why the Proverbs exist, for these purposes. And notice who it benefits. Read on in verse 5. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Simply put, everybody benefits from proverbs. Back in verse 4, it says that the young and the simple, the naive, the easily taken in, those who don't have the experience of life to really sense what's wrong and what's right about the picture before them, they will benefit from the wisdom contained in the parables. But then in verse 5, it says even the wise, they will benefit as well. They can add to their learning. You see, no one is ever done acquiring wisdom. 
We always need more to have developed this art form of living a wise life. And verse 6 tells us that through the book of Proverbs, we're able to understand other sources of wisdom as well, parables, sayings, and riddles of the wise, various sources. All of this is the purpose for the book of Proverbs. But to accomplish that purpose, we have to stand on a foundation. See, the foundation for wisdom is given to us in verse 7. Here's where it all starts. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. In fact, that's the very first proverb in the book of Proverbs. Up until now, it's been introduction, but in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. That's the first proverb. Now, very often in English, we make a distinction between knowledge and wisdom. We think of knowledge as knowing things, that intellectual capacity. I, I understand. I have knowledge. And wisdom is what we do with that knowledge, using that knowledge correctly and rightly and justly and fairly. That's, that's wise living. We make that distinction in English, and that distinction exists in Hebrew as well. But here, these words are used as parallel synonyms, meaning the same thing, knowledge and, and wisdom. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is because the wisdom that's being described here is not academic, excuse me, the knowledge that's being described here is not academic knowledge. It's not something that I read in a book, something that I, that I learned in the classroom. The knowledge that's being described here is experiential knowledge. Learning by experience, coming to know through doing. And it's very close to what we mean by that wise living. It's the same word or a form of the same word that's used in Genesis 4.1 when it says, and Adam knew Eve and she bore him a son. It's that the sexual experience is described by the word know there. And the point is this, all aspects of living a wise life, knowing, understanding, experiencing, using good knowledge in wise ways, all of that stands on the foundation of the fear of the Lord. But the opposite of that is called the fool. The fool will miss all of this that a wise person will pick up. And recognize that we're, we're going to encounter that label, the fool, over and over again through the book of Proverbs. And the fool in the book of Proverbs and throughout the Bible is not a dunce. It's not someone who's stupid. The fool is someone who could be very smart, may be well-educated, may have a lot of degrees, but if you ignore God's instructions in life and feel that there are no consequences, if you twist God's Word to make it actually teach falsehoods that are according to your preference but not what God is saying, you are labeled the fool, and you will miss the wisdom that God offers. Wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. So what's the fear of the Lord? That word fear there has three meanings. First, it means terror, just like we use the word fear. And then it means awe, and then reverence. Now, those last two are very close, but there's a slight distinction. Awe is the feeling that I, I, I sense when I'm in the presence of greatness, when I'm in the presence of majesty, that I feel awe, and what I do with that feeling is reverence. 
I may bow down, I may get on my knees, I may lay prostrate, but I'm, I'm demonstrating reverence, I'm feeling awe. And there is a sense of inadequacy that I feel in the face of that power, that majesty, is a sense of fear. All of those combined are what the author is talking about. That's where wisdom begins. The fear is not the kind of fear that makes you run from God, thinking that He might hurt you. In fact, one author says this, if you're running away from God because you're afraid of Him, then you are not as afraid of Him as you ought to be because you think you can escape. You can't escape. The idea is that this person, this thing that I'm reverencing, is so above me and beyond me, I can't escape. I can only be humbled before him. And the beginning of wisdom is that feeling that says, above all, I don't want to grieve the heart of God. I don't want to make him sad at what what he sees in me. He is ultimately worthy of respect and reverence and obedience and worship. I want him to be pleased. I was thinking about that, and I thought of a teenage girl who was driving her car for the first time with a brand new license. Imagine a teenage gal who, up until now, she's had her permit and she's been driving with her parents in the car, but this is the day that she has her license now, and she's able to get in the car and drive herself, and that's what she does. She gets in the car and begins to drive, and she looks in her rearview mirror, and she sees her father in the car behind her. (laughs) At first, she's afraid, and then she's kind of upset. What is he doing? He's going to catch me doing something wrong. But let's imagine for a moment that this is a wise teenage gal. She's on her best behavior as she's driving. She's using her blinker. She has her seatbelt on. She stays off her phone. She's within the speed limit. And then let's also imagine that instead of being mad at dear old dad for following her, she realizes that he's doing this out of love, that he cares for her, and he's not trying to trap her, not trying to trick her, but rather he wants to witness her success. He wants to see that, that, that everything that he, he taught her as he taught her how to drive, she's, she's learned and she's, she's able to do it. And let's further imagine that this teenage girl is wise enough to use her driving skill to please her dad, showing him that all that he was teaching her she has learned and acquired and now is a good driver. In doing that, She is wise, and he is pleased. And that's the formula for a wise life, living a life to please your heavenly Father. If you worship the one true God, your heavenly Father is always nearby, wiser than you can imagine, more loving than you know, caring always to give you guidance. He wants you to show him that you have learned what he's teaching and so that you can please him. Proverbs is written from the perspective that God has all the answers. And putting God in that position, that's the starting point of wisdom. Fearing the Lord, the Lord who is perfectly holy and infinitely powerful. He's not to be trifled with, but He loves us through and through. And so we start in a humble position before Him. In fact, humility is that proper understanding. C.S. Lewis once said this, 
A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see what's above you. Wisdom is looking up, looking up at the enormity and the infinity of God beyond our comprehension and recognizing that this being beyond our comprehension loves us. But the fool is easily deceived and spiritually flawed through pride. And the fool will not look up with what I call astonished reverence. That's what we want. Astonished reverence that this God would actually love us. The fool rejects that. And here's the thing. That's where we all start. We all were there. All of us begin as the fool. That's our human condition. John 3.19 says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their de- deeds are evil. That's foolish. Romans 1.21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God or gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's right in the text. That's foolish. The Apostle John and the Apostle Paul are not talking about a few bad apples among us. He's talk, they're talking about all of us. And the point of the Bible is simply to say to us, reject the fool within you. And you reject the fool within you by turning in repentance to the God who loves you. And look at him with astonished reverence. Astonished at his power, but also astonished at his love. Astonished that this God can actually care about, about us. Humbled by that love. And thus, I want to please him. I want to please him. It's only a fool who would be so proud as to reject that kind of love. The one who is most worthy of your fear offers total forgiveness. And when you say yes to that through faith in Jesus Christ, wisdom can begin. Properly fearing the Lord. I read recently a story written by Andy Stanley. He's a pastor of North Point Community Church in Georgia. And in that story he told, it's a true story, told about his first date with his now wife. His na- her name is Sandra. And uh, she's a beautiful woman, and when he first met her, he was nervous about asking her out. Finally got up the courage to ask her out. They went out on a date, and he says, after about five minutes, I ran out of things to say. Didn't know what was going next. He goes, I was way out of my league, out of my depth, didn't know what to say. And so I used what I thought was a great line. I said, Sandra, do you ever do any modeling? He thought that would sound like a compliment, and it did. Her answer was yes. She did do modeling, or had. But he said, I could tell by the way that she answered that this was a touchy subject. Something was wrong. He said, but I am more inquisitive than I am sensitive. So I said, oh, tell me about it. And this is what she said. She went to Georgia Tech. When she first went to Georgia Tech, she got some opportunities modeling. And it was good. It made a little extra money. You know, she needed that extra money. And one job came, and she was asked to model for a costume company. Uh, They were modeling costumes. Her and three other girls were modeling costumes for rich people who were going to some kind of upcoming costume ball. And so they were in this gathering, and each of the person, the gals had, had four outfits they were supposed to wear. And as she came back to change from the first outfit to the second outfit, she saw that this second outfit was very provocative, very sexy. So she went to the third, same thing, and the fourth, same thing. 
She went out and told her employer, I can't wear this. I, I can't put this on. And, and uh, of course, he got mad. He goes, what do you mean? You, you agreed to be the model here. I'm counting on you. You're ruining the show, this kind of thing. The other models started to mock her and make fun that, that she wouldn't put on these, these outfits. But she was adamant, and she left. And that was the end of her modeling career. And he goes on to say this. When she told me that, my estimation of her went sky high because I'd found a woman who cared more about what God thought than what the world thought. And I knew that's the kind of woman I wanted to marry. And I knew that's the kind of man I want to be. That is the fear of the Lord. Caring more about what God thinks than what others thinks. That is where wisdom starts. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times that our concern has been horizontal rather than vertical. Forgive us for the moments when we have been all wrapped up in what people are thinking and we forgot about your opinion. Help us to be wise. Enable us, we pray, to care about what you think, to find wisdom, which is to find riches. Help us, Lord, to follow your way and your will, recognizing that we will stand out in a culture that doesn't care about you. But that's where we should be, standing up and standing out. Help us do that, we pray, and we'll give you the glory. In your name we pray, amen. The team is back to lead us in a closing song. Let's stand together as we sing. in the first verse, sing it out with him if you know him. God, I look to you, I may be overwhelmed, give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from, give me wisdom. Just what to do Let's seek God's guidance Ask Him for this wisdom, church Declare it God, I look to you
with one voice, let's declare this. We seek it from him. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. As always, after the service is concluded, we have prayer counselors next to the organ by the prayer table. They'll wait for you to pray with you. Maybe there's a concern in your life for which you need the wisdom of God, a direction, a decision, or maybe there's just a burden that you're carrying. They will help you lay that down at the foot of the cross. But first, let's all pray together, and then you can slip forward. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have a way for us. Thank you that you know that way and you want to communicate it. Help us to listen. Help us to look. Help us to see the opportunities to be love in action in our city and in our town, in our places of business, at school, wherever we go. Lord, help us to represent you well, we pray. For we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming.